Welcome everyone, I'm John Briggs, Global Head of Desk Strategy. And I'm Brian Dangerfield, the Head of G10FX Strategy in the US. And welcome to On Point. Today we want to talk about what's been a very eventful couple weeks in the US on the political scene, which has led to the inauguration this past week of Joe Biden as the 46th President of the United States. There's a lot to unpack here, but we're going to focus on what the main priorities of Biden administration will be in his first 100 days. There's nothing magical about first 100 days, but it's become commonplace as far as folk, as uh, lasering in on what the near-term priorities are for the administration and where they're going to use the momentum that they've gained since becoming newly elected. All right, Brian, so I'm just going to go right there. What do you think are the main priorities in the first 100 days of this administration? Well, I think the administration has made it very clear that COVID stimulus is going to be the number one priority. Get money to Americans as fast as possible. So from the legislative side, especially, that feels like it's going to take um, the majority of the effort. That might mean that other priorities, say on climate or on geopolitics and trade, move to the, the back burner for now uh, as we focus almost completely on COVID stimulus. So when it comes to COVID stimulus, I think the, the key question in everybody's mind is, how much do you think can get done and by when? So as we know, the America Rescue Plan that Biden has pledged right now totals at $1.9 trillion. So that's the baseline against which we are working. I think the market consensus is kind of coalescing around that number. We've priced in a little bit of drift lower in the plan. So loosely penciling in one to one and a half trillion as the target for what we think could get done as sort of a first leg. A lot's going to depend on the legislative strategy. As we know, at the end of last year, remember that one of the ways that they were able to get the package done in December was breaking up the bill into smaller pieces in order to get the less controversial stuff through first. That's a strategy they could take this time, which might lead to some drift lower in the initial size of the plan. But Democrats have another option that was opened up to them because they won control of the Senate in January, and that's through budget reconciliation. Now, the details of budget reconciliation are you know, uh, complex. It's an archaic system, but it has one major use, which is that anything that's passed through the Senate under budget reconciliation cannot be filibustered. And so the Republican Party, the minority party in this case, wouldn't be able to block the package. So because budget reconciliation is on the table, there's the possibility that you can get a much larger package if Democrats decide to go in that direction. So you have the possibility that the plan drifts smaller if they try and move towards breaking it up to get uh, things done in regular order. Or you have the opposite, where if Democrats move in the direction of budget reconciliation, they can try and pack the plan with additional stimulus and even make it larger. So from a size perspective, a lot is still to be determined. Our expectation is that the more likely path is that it drifts lower in the near term, maybe for the sake of speed more than anything else. But there's certainly the possibility that it drifts larger, depending on how the Democrats want to take it, whether or not they try and use what we call regular order, passing with support of Republicans, or by going through budget reconciliation, which has the benefit of not needing any Republicans, but has some uh, sort of drawbacks with it as well. In terms of timing, we think that there's maybe two soft deadlines to really consider. Well, the first, maybe not a deadline, but the State of the Union coming up at the beginning of next month, most likely. That's an opportunity for Biden to make a high-profile statement to the nation about when he wants to get stimulus done. That's the kind of moment where he could present a soft deadline of sorts. 
if he were to make a promise to the extent of we want to get COVID stimulus checks in Americans' pockets in the first 100 days of my administration, that all of a sudden sets a clear deadline, at least a soft deadline that maybe ups the pressure a little bit on his own party and on the opposition party uh, to get something done. The other one we'd be watching is the middle of March. March 14th is when the supplemental unemployment benefits that were passed as part of the December package expire. So the pressure to get something done by then, at least on that one provision, is likely to be very high. So I would say from those two perspectives, those are the two dates that we're really watching uh, at this point. Yeah, so for me, I really feel like that March 14th date is the best thing that we can focus on. Again, like you said, it's a soft deadline, but at least there is some sort of um, incentive there to keep part of what he's proposed going on with those supplemental unemployment benefits. My worry here, though, is that you know, markets have priced in a fair amount of optimism. I mean, I don't think markets have priced in 1.9 trillion, but I think that consensus is in that one to one and a half range, you know, maybe a little bit on the high side. Um, but if this thing drags on for another six weeks, I wonder how much of that optimism will remain. You know, we saw this back in the fall where, you know, August, everybody expected stimulus and September was, well, we'll get it done by the end of the month because there's some budget deadlines. And then as we leaked through October, you know, we got, became very sensitive to stimulus headlines and, you know, each Republican or Democratic senator agreeing or disagreeing. Or um, So I, I think that there's a chance that if this if March 14th is the deadline that we do start to see some market, let's call it frustration, you know, with the with the process. You know, if it's speedier, I think the better, obviously, Um but I just worry that the markets might start pricing in some downside risk that they don't get anything done, you know, if it if we get into week four or five, six of it, at least from from this standpoint. Um, now, as far as uh, Biden's other market influencing actions. So first, executive actions, we don't really see we've gone through them. Um, you know, I'll just say this on behalf of Brian and I, we don't see a lot of market impactful things. I mean, there's going to be some freeing up of immigration rules, which could help labor supply, some background long run stuff. But where we really see the potential for um, market impact is on the trade front and, you know, potentially um, executive actions or diplomatic actions on the geopolitical front. So, Brian, You've used the starting with trade. I mean, you've used the phrase, which I love, which is that the Democrats aren't exactly the party of free trade utopia. Um, you know, the Trump kind of stole that from the Democratic Party tagline. But you're not really returning to the past here, are you? I mean, maybe you are in some places, but in others, perhaps not. Can you share what you think there? Yeah, absolutely. So the question under Biden, of course, would be, are we returning to an Obama-style multilateralism? Obviously, we're coming from the America First doctrine under Trump, which is quite, um, you know, quite nationalistic, quite sort of internally focused. Um, we think we're going in the direction of Obama multi, uh, multilateralism, but not all the way there. You know, as you mentioned, you know, Democrats are not the party of embracing free trade under you know, all circumstances. The sort of trade skepticism that has become very famous under Trump is something that's shared by a lot of Democrats. So you think about what that means for China. I mean, we actually just heard um, in Janet Yellen's confirmation hearing as the nominee for Treasury Secretary, the language used on China you know, could have been taken directly from the Trump playbook. You could have taken a lot of that language right off the Trump campaign website. 
it's a very similar uh, it's a very it's a very similar feeling in terms of you know wanting to combat China for trade imbalances, uh, wanting to combat China over um, abuses of uh, intellectual property uh, law and, and similar concerns on human rights. So the relationship we think is going to remain combative, um, but the difference under Biden would likely be a more principled and a more um, uh, a more predictable policy stance. So under Trump, you had the possibility of a major escalation in a tweet, and then also the possibility of a major pullback in a tweet. Um, and the market had to contend with that risk that Trump would be willing to sort of change his mind based on kind of the flow of either the markets or uh, the news media or really based on a whim. Um, Biden, we don't think, would bring that kind of uh, flexibility, let's call it. It's probably more principled, uh, but still negative in terms of the, the desire to want to hold China to account in terms of their stance in the international trading community. Elsewhere, we think the relationship with Europe from a trade and geopolitical perspective is set to improve. Certainly, the risk of auto tariffs really has gone away now that Biden is president. Um, for the UK, however, we think, you know, obviously, they've been in discussions on the possibility of a free trade agreement in the post-Brexit environment. We now have a new administration, and with the new administration, probably brings new priorities. You know, the, uh, the Biden team is going to have a different view on the relationship between the UK and the US on financial services, climate, agricultural products. So on some of these more difficult talking points, assuming more difficult points, it might require a bit of starting over under new leadership from the US. And so that's something that we're gonna be watching as well is how the US-UK relationship evolves, thinking that with new leadership in the US, that's going to require a bit of going back to the drawing board on the possibility of a free trade agreement between the U.S. and the U.K. Yeah, it's going to be quite an interesting dynamic about how climate plays into a lot of this. Obviously, rejoining the Paris Accord, you know, cooperation with Europe, probably in other factors, Iran and all that stuff, you know, and, and then how that pivots to potentially um, becoming a flashpoint with China, um, you know, and bringing in, as, as you say, you know, protectionist type measures, even if they're called or um, themed off something different. So um, one last question on that. So you mentioned earlier that, that the focus obviously is on stimulus and that could push some other things off. I mean, most since we see the biggest uh, potential escalation is the wrong word, but perhaps ongoing risk on trade or geopolitics is with China. Do you think that this is a near-term thing for the markets to be alert for, or is it something that's going to simmer in the background until we get past some of the stimulus issues? So my expectation is that it's a simmering issue simply because the administration, I think, is going to be so focused on COVID stimulus. Um, it's not that they can't walk and chew bubble gum at the same time, as you know we, we like to say as a common phrase here. Clearly, there's going to be some desire to advance the trade and geopolitics while they're also working on COVID stimulus. But I certainly don't think it's gonna be a main priority. You think back to President Trump, who in his first year was mainly focused on healthcare and on taxes. And then it was only in year two where he really sort of upped trade to being his number one priority. A similar kind of thing could manifest itself this time around only with COVID stimulus on, under Biden. So I think this simmers below the surface, sort of the first, uh, sort of the first step you know, but there's certainly the possibility that you do get some, some escalation 
um, whether or not the new administration is tested early on, uh, whether China or really anyone else tries to see how the relationship has changed um, under Biden versus Trump. And so there's certainly the possibility that um, you have a flashpoint moment in the early stages of the administration that Biden will have to deal with. And in that case, you'll get an early look uh, at how Biden will, uh, you know, will react in of the four years, almost a preview of how uh, Biden would respond in the case of, a, uh, uh, of an escalation. And so that is a risk. But from the perspective of the U.S., I think the goal will be pass COVID stimulus as fast as possible, make that the number one priority, and leave the, the concerns about trade and, and geopolitics, generally speaking, uh, to the back burner. All right. Well, that's all we have time for today. Um, on behalf of Brian and I, we thank you for listening. And we want to make note that much of this content and even more is going to be available on our website. And Brian and I have recently put out um, a piece on Biden's first 100 days. So please you know, seek out either one of those options for more. Thank you very much.